hello. Welcome to a very, very special night on Narrative Live. It's here. It's finally here. The midterm elections are upon us. The results are beginning to come in. I am as bullish as I've been all the way through this entire process. I think it's going to be a great night for Democrats. I think the turnout and the very policies and the very fundamentals in which the Democrats ran on, plus a huge turnout from Gen Z today, suggests it's going to be a very, very good night. Now, we've already seen some of the incumbents like Marco Rubio and Rand Paul keep their seats, but that does not mean that there's a Republican red wave coming. In fact, the early results are showing that the anticipated red wave hasn't quite shown up. But the night is still young. There's lots still to, to go on. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hey, Zev. We made it. It's, <laughs> it's the kind of thing that we Washingtonian types, this is like our Hanukkah, our birthday, our, it only comes around once in a while. Every two years, as it turns out. Thank God it's only once every two years, because otherwise it would be just, can you imagine if this happened on a regular basis? Because yeah, I would be like take Israel it. or the UK where they're exchanging prime ministers every few weeks, like a dosy do -si -do. They do. It looks at like the Maryland governor too early to call as well. So we're watching like you are probably watching the TV networks. We can take that feed live and we will as things happen. But there is a general feeling amongst Democrats that just suddenly people came up with the idea that this was actually looking quite good for Democrats, even though for the last few weeks, all you can hear from a Republican pundits and pollsters is that it's a definite win for the Republicans in the House, a definite win in the Senate. And they're also going to do really well in the House seats. That is not actually what's materializing this evening, I don't think. But it's still too early to completely say that. What are your thoughts about You've obviously voted. There was a big decision that just came down for Vermont as well. What's your take on the overall day and what your thoughts are about Vermont and other interesting races? So overall day is we kicked off with both Missouri and Florida, two of our trouble hotspots, of course, with their elected officials saying, that they were resisting the federal government's investigation into any voting issues, that the feds weren't allowed into yeah. this place that we have the Voting Rights Act, which is federal, and the DOJ has a voting section now. Anyhow, it went from ridiculous to very amusingly threatening for the people who came up with this, because what they're trying to investigate here in Cole County, where Jefferson City, Missouri is, it's the capital here, there's apparently some voting places where the disabled entrances, I think specifically the ramps for wheelchairs and whatnot to get in, those were locked and you couldn't get in them. So you may be depriving someone of the right to vote there. Yeah. An American yeah. Disabilities Act, that's the kind of thing you would investigate. They were just not opened by the election officials today. They just decided to skip it or what? I do not know what the inception of the investigation was, but it is a very appropriate investigation. Mm. And the Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, whose father is, of course, Foreign Agent John Ashcroft, mm. registered for Democratic Republic of Congo and the 1MDB guys and Ihor Kolomoisky, you know, the worst K-pop boy band in history. <laughs> yeah. So we said that the feds were not allowed to come in and investigate because something, something. They're inconvenient. It's not a good time. We're washing our hair. Come back. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though, you have a right to vote under the constitution, right? So it is a, a right guaranteed by the constitution. Now, if somebody locked those doors on purpose mm. to deprive mm. American citizens of a constitutionally guaranteed right, and they're like elected officials or something, and they're acting under color of law with their authority in order to deprive a constitutional right, that is a felony cognizable under 18 U.S. Code 242 or 241 if you have a conspiracy going, mm -hmm. which would make it a criminal investigation. 
And if you impede a federal agent from investigating, now, mm -hmm. you if you do so accidentally because it's undercover and you don't realize that you're doing it, I, th I think you get a pass on that if you get in Norway. But if they know that the feds are investigating and you go to destroy evidence or impede their progress, that's a 20-year prison sentence under 18 U.S. Wow. Code yeah, 1519. So it could be that not just some people behind the voting center there, but possibly even our Secretary of State, Jay Ashcroft, may <laughs> have gotten himself in felony hot water today, and they're doing the same damn thing down in Florida. Yeah. Oh, really? That's interesting because they didn't allow, in terms of not allowing any federal observers in Florida, they decided that was not kosher for them today as well. They, these guys have become professionals at suppressing the vote in every way they can, whether it's in Georgia, where the, the, the rules are so ridiculous, you can't even have water being handed out to people standing in line for hours to exercise their rights. You can't hand out water to people. How ridiculous a rule is that? Now you're telling me about wheelchair accessibility being cut off. It's ludicrous what the Republican Party has become These a are, satire of itself. It's well, a joke. I mean, it's a satire actually of the Democratic Party back when they were the Dixiecrats, mm. but because uh, it was flipped, kind of the polarities on this were flipped. But note that these are both slave states. Mm. that kind of have a long history of making mm. things difficult for certain people voting. It's why the 14th Amendment exists. It's why the Department of Justice was created. And it's why there's the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, is that oh, there's some places in the United States that they have their own laws, but they don't like even following their own laws on the state level. And that's why we have a federal Department of Justice. So no one can depart from the rule of law too far, which I'm a big fan. It wasn't only there, of course, today, there was a lot of issues in other parts of the United States in terms of where they people could uh, successfully exercise their votes. And particularly in Arizona, there were instances in Maricopa County where we were told by officials that uh, voting machines weren't working and there were other people who were concerned the tabulation wasn't happening correctly. Now, this is potentially as well another Republican Party sort of stunt, possibly by the gubernatorial candidate there, who is maybe, maybe just trying to do this so she can get into the into the court system and start complaining about the votes not being counted correctly as a sort of a hedge before the election results are actually fully tabulated. It seems really suspicious that all of this is coming out of the wacky state of Arizona, which is, of course, now the home of every conspiracy theory you can imagine. So a couple of reports came out on Twitter just a short while ago about that. Also, there's Donald Trump, former president of the United States, claiming that there is absentee ballot situation happening in Detroit. None of this is actually happening. This is all his imagination. The secretary of state there, Jocelyn Benson, responding, hi again, this isn't true. Please don't spread lies to foment and encourage political violence in our state or anywhere. Thank you. I mean, he just hasn't changed one bit. The ACLU is reporting that people have been told that they have to vote up and down a straight line. In other words, vote all Republican or all Democrats. That, of course, is not true, and they're investigating that. And in Georgia's largest county, two poll workers were removed from the job just before the polls began today. After staff found out that Facebook posts from a mother and her son who were working in the polling uh, and counting station, showed them participating in the January 6th attack. So apparently that's not a good idea either. You shouldn't be counting votes or doing any of that if you were part of the Jan 6 attempted coup by the former administration. And then of course, in Texas, lots of machines, particularly in less white areas, all of them having difficulty in some of those machines working. So the GOP continues its, its mockery of air democracy, but I think it's going to cost them at the polls this time. I particularly see a real advantage coming to governors. I just see that there may be a six governor's races 
that are going to flip towards Democrats. That's the big news. I think Pennsylvania is going to go to the Democrats. In fact, let's pull up some of the results as we have them now. The Senate's on the right there. He's probably where the most of these results are coming in right now. And you can see that in Florida, Rubio's won that. In Alabama, it's saying that Katie Britt, GOP, looks like she's ahead there. But, you know, you're seeing those red lines being filled in expected places. I don't think there's been any surprises there. It looks like it's going to be, I think, still a very, very good night, particularly now as we're seeing the results coming out of New Hampshire, early results, only 9% in. But Maggie Hassan seems to be doing quite a good job of defeating Donald Bolchuk. And that is an interesting race because I think it was supportive of him initially. They thought that maybe he'd be easier to defeat. So he's one of these election deniers that we saw Democrats actually domestic support. terrorist. Yeah, absolutely. A domestic terrorist. It's interesting that, uh, you know, he's not doing well. That's good that he's not doing well, but he is doing better in some of these smaller towns. And we're seeing some of the advantage leaning towards him. But I still think Maggie Hassan is going to win. And I think that's going to set up a night of enormous celebration for the Democrats. Because once that happens, and, and let's assume that the Democrats win Pennsylvania, the Senate looks really in their sights at that point. Not guaranteed, but it's within their sights at that point. So that's a good thing. New Hampshire has become more of a swing state. They're, they march to the beat of their own drummer. The people from New Hampshire, and I lived there for a few years when I was a, when I was a kiddo. Yeah, they do whatever they want. A little odd, a little little on the strange side. God bless them, we love them. Tell me what happens in Vermont. They're calling the race in Vermont early. So Gerald Leroy is an army veteran and defense contractor dude who rolled into Vermont two years ago, I think, to buy a house. I think he would go there on vacation occasionally. Now, Peter Welch is our current congressman. Uh, We only have one congressman in Vermont. And uh, Peter took over from Bernie Sanders when Bernie Sanders ran for Jim Jeffords' seat. And that stays today. We're pretty loyal in Vermont. If you're doing a good job, then we keep voting you in. And if we don't, it's because we've decided that you probably do less damage if you're not in Vermont. So we tend to keep our senators for 40, 50 years. But Welch actually lives in Vermont. He was elected to the legislature of the state in 1981. He's actually not from Vermont. He's from Springfield, Mass, which is right over the border, which doesn't make him like a native Vermonter, but mm-hmm. he actually has lived there, has green license plates, 802 phone number, and wow. knows how to pronounce the town names as opposed to this guy who rolls into town, buys his third home a couple years ago, and just decides to start spreading abortion propaganda and critical race theory. And that, it, critical race theory discussions in Vermont is insane because you'd have to prove that there's more than one race, which that is hypothetical at best in Vermont. There's only, it's down to English and French Canadian for the most part. But anyhow, Pete Welch is an actual public servant who's greatly respected and in certain Vermont patriotism move and a trolling move, he's wearing a hat that has the flag of the Vermont Republic. Now remember, Vermont was the first European country established in North America because the United States didn't get around to forming itself as a government until after the war. Vermont, of course, there was only like 18 people and five raccoons to do it, but Vermont got a flag, started printing currency, started, raised an army, Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys. Mm -hmm. So we actually entered the union in 1791. We agreed to come by and give it a try. And that was a 200 year experiment that apparently ended in 1991 and we had a separatist movement and discussion and i guess we had the legal right under some old document that we could secede peacefully if we wanted to and we discussed it and we realized we would be slightly poorer per capita than namibia 
and that it just wasn't worth the trouble and that we thought the other Americans, they're not like us, but they're pretty nice. But wearing that is, is not just a tip of the hat to the Republic, long may it stand, but also a reminder to the other guy who just moved in because the last such race that was like this was 1998. There was no Republican candidate. So they got a dairy farmer named Fred Tuttle to run in the primary because there was a Mitt Romney type from Boston. He was a, a partner at Boston Consulting Group, Jack McMullen, who did the same thing. He bought an apartment two doors up from where I was living in Burlington, Vermont. It had one chair in it. And he started running TV ads of him in like a cardigan sitting on hay bales the way nobody does. And so he decided he was going to run for the Republican seat against Pat Leahy. And running against Pat Leahy, he was generally suicide until he finally aged out. And this real dairy farmer with no budget started debating him. And uh, the, there was a killer question in the debates between Jack McMullen and Fred Tuttle. And Tuttle asked Mullen famously... How many tits on Jersey cow? How many teats are on a Jersey cow? What McMullen answered was six. <laughs> and the response from dairy farmer Fred Tuttle was, I guess so, six tits on a cow, I guess so. I guess so means you've just uttered the stupidest thing I uh, heard, I guess, you know, I guess. Yeah, and so what that was the answer? like- Do we have an answer on how many? Four. Four, <laughs> four hanging down. <laughs> so if you're gonna run for one of the top hundred seats, in, in most powerful seats in, in America, you, you should, should know probably know something about the state you're in. And the, and <laughs> like the, and the number got... of teats on a cow. <laughs> well, you know, it was more indicative. I mean, look, McMullen's a very bright fellow yeah. and he slayed Fred on the questions about interest rates and uh, full employment points to the partner from Boston Consulting Group. He won those. Yeah. But when Fred Tuttle gave him a, t a list of town names to pronounce, every place in the world has town names that are only the locals know how it's actually said. Yeah. It was Pompanusik, 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 which is a very long Indian name. Mm -hmm. And then we have a thing in Vermont where we say some names are pronounced French and some aren't. So he was given Vergennes, which is more French. And then he was given Calais, which is spelled like Calais. Mm -hmm. And so he made him read this live on the air and he just, this dude is not from Vermont. He's never driven around. He's not, he didn't spend any time there. He didn't know the people. He didn't know what any, and he didn't know how many tits were on a cow. And so he, he you lost don't get to win. You don't get to win that way. Not, not in Vermont, apparently. It was a heartwarming story. Fred won the GOP primary over the millionaire from Boston. And then as soon as he won the primary, he said, that he would let Pat Leahy win, even if you voted for him. <laughs> so it was kind of <laughs> one of the last nice, it was actually, honestly, it is a, it's a nice reminder. It's like, there wasn't too much vitriol about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was an, all the old days of real politics and not this crazy political area that we're in now. So in terms of the control of Congress, it looks like Democrats are now at 40, Republicans at 35, that's a Senate. And then they, in the house, we're looking at 13 to 22 right now in terms of where there's actual progress. So it's pretty much the same situation. It doesn't look to me like the house is fully, we haven't seen enough numbers there to figure out if, if the house is going to stay Democrat, but it does feel to me like the Senate has a good shot of staying Democrat at this point. And the prognosis looks pretty good so far. Also, we should mention that West Moore of Maryland 
one of the most incredible candidates you've ever seen. He's won as the governor of Maryland. And there's another Democratic win we just saw in Vermont. We've mentioned Peter Welsh, but there was another governor just announced that she retains her position. So it's still looking very strong for the Democrats. And, and I'm going to run through a few of the reasons that I think it's going really well for Democrats today, because there's, it's a good day for the Democrats, regardless of whether they win the House or not. And this is something to keep the back of your mind when the Republicans or if the Republicans win the House. It's still a great day if they don't get beaten by 40 or 50 seats, which is what the projections were not so long ago. It's quite possible the Republicans could eke out a victory in the House. But if it's only a few seats, if it's under 10 seats, it's a disastrous night for the Republicans. And it does mean that Overall, the message that Americans are delivering to our politicians is democracy matters and so do our rights. The top 10 things that made Democrats show up tonight. Number 10 is that democracy is hot. And it really is. You can't, we started out six years ago, you and I here on, on Twitter doing different things. But at that point, democracy had just come under attack. And you were the guy who raised the alarm first before anybody else that I'm aware of on Twitter. And it, it is that actual clarion call that happened six years ago that has now led to a lot of people, if not the majority, maybe the, probably the majority of people in the United States recognizing that democracy is under attack. Now, of course, you're not the only person to credit there because there's a lot of other grave people that did there, that. There's one very important person to yeah. credit there. And that's Evgeny Prigozhin from Putin's chef there who said, Damn right, we interfered in your elections and we'll do it again. I guess it wasn't a conspiracy theory, was it, guys? It was not a conspiracy theory. You were 100% correct and everyone else was <laughs> wrong who was making fun of you or criticizing you. And not only... Don't ask uh, me. Ask yeah. Russian intelligence. And the they'll tell you they did it. <laughs> and back then, it, was, it felt like a Herculean task to convince an entire American population that what had happened had actually happened because they were so in the grips of Fox News and OAN and whatever Mike and, Flynn or... and Hillary should have campaigned in Wisconsin where she yeah. campaigned yeah and it's not her emails it's how she handled the email story when in reality it was data from Facebook was plugged into supercomputers owned by military intelligence and they were targeting voters to discourage them from going out using the most sophisticated and invasive digital methods we'd ever seen yeah. with the highest level of precision and multiple countries coordinated such as Israel and uh, some others. Saudi Arabia, and, uh, UAE, Egypt, you name it. There's a whole bunch of them that were involved in it. Some countries that we used to consider allies, maybe we don't consider them allies anymore. But nevertheless, six years to fight that huge tide of propaganda that had hit America and this attack on democracy and uh, coming from your original call there to all the other people on Twitter and all the other activists who heard that call and then were able to convince a large amount of Americans that democracy is actually in trouble, that the attack on democracy is actually real, and that it was something to consider in voting. And in fact, not just considering voting, but actually place right at the top of your voting. So that's a good one. Democracy is hot. At number nine, I had turnout because there was a huge turnout today. And over the last few weeks, as early voting was taking place, there was 43 million votes cast before voting stations opened this morning. That's a lot and of people who to vote. who are all the new voters? Who are they? They're women They're who women. don't like the insane, like, hey, we have an idea. If you need obstetrics and gynecology care to take care of a routine but tragic loss of a pregnancy, 
you can die of overwhelming sepsis instead. Turns out that the quasi-permanent threat to every woman's health in this entire country is the motivator. Yeah, and I find this just a fascinating thing that the news media declared that irrelevant quite soon on in their process. They moved past the whole abortion thing like it's not a big deal. Of course, that's not the reality. Women care about their rights. They care about whether they have the ability to choose whether they should have an abortion or reproduce or whatever they'll decide to have about their bodies. They own that right and have always, at least for the last 50 years, have had that right. And suddenly to take it away was going to be a motivating factor. Then it's a big, big election issue. I think 60% of the voters said that this was an issue that they voted on because they was angry or somewhat angry about the abortion ruling. Again, life and death questions tend to be, uh, it's amazing. They they use this issue for so long, Mm. uh, Republicans did, cynically. And there's a multitude of reasons behind the policy. Some of it's creating an adoption pipeline of kids that end up in different circumstances, not all of them good. It was a way to create single issue voters. The constant never quite get their promise that we will get rid of Roe v. Wade. Eventually, they just kept that as the tantalizing carrot out in front to keep chasing after. But they just went ahead and did it finally. And places like Missouri outlawed entirely such that even necessary medical care is denied to women, even though that's forbidden under federal law and likely a violation of the Hippocratic Oath for the caregivers. And worse, when in an ad, when some woman reported her, her terrible story and was in a political ad for the hottest race, as far as I'm concerned, the most important race is Eric Schmidt versus Trudy Bush-Valentine. Trudy Bush-Valentine puts out an ad with this woman just telling her story about how she had to go to a far off state to get necessary medical care at great risk to her life. And then Missouri state government started investigating in an aggressive way the healthcare center that she was at. And then the feds came in and they opened up their first official case investigation there. So, I mean, that's the biggest issue, obviously for women voters, but it's much more than that issue because there's other rights that Republicans and the Supreme Court are coming after. There's gay rights, there's freedom of speech rights, there's freedom of gathering rights. These are all things that they're intending to prosecute still in the Supreme Court. Now, this is one of those things that makes a huge difference because this huge turnout, let's just say the ex win the house and they win the Senate. It's a lot easier now for them to codify Roe v. Wade as their first act if they win those two chambers. That's how important these votes are. They will forever probably determine the rights of of whether women can have these abortions in the United States on a national level. So this is a crucial vote. This was today was one of the watershed moments of America. The other thing that came up a lot was candidate quality. This is by his own admission, Mitch McConnell did not seem to think that they were fielding the best candidates in the field. And in fact, Republicans generally suck at this, not because they don't have some big names. They do have some big names that they've been able to draft in like Mehmet Oz and Herschel Walker, but there there is such a field of crazy loony people out there who believe the strangest things. It seems impossible and and a dumb thing to do. I mean, some of these people are blisteringly insane or openly criminal. And we have a political party that embrace that. I'm thinking of the North Carolina race between Ted Budd and Sherry Beasley. Yeah, and Beasley's doing quite well there, eh? She's she's at 52% and he's 46, and that's with 55% of the vote counted. If she wins and Hassan wins, those are big indicators. Tim Ryan, by the way, 29% of the vote in at 56.9, Vance at 43%. Boy, those are, I'm telling you, there's a movement here 
of Democratic voters that is going to upset the apple cart of what Washington insiders were expecting to happen. And it's about time. We, this might be the night we bury the GOP as we know it. And maybe that's exactly what needs to happen. So like, to, the, to go back to the North Carolina race on quality there, yeah. Sherry Beasley, I believe, the, the top judge in their Supreme Court anyways, right, right. and a very learned woman and a public servant. And t Ted Budd is a guy who hates socialism, but took the largest PPP loan in the entire state. Hey. Of all the things to do when you're running for office or someone who's in public to then go and take a, a fraudulent PPE loan, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's the purple dye of criminality. It's it is like... just gross. Tierra Tabatu, what's his name? The guy who's got that scandal around him. Brent Favre! Brent Favre! Favre. Yeah, like... <laughs> Brent, so he's Brent lying Favre, about all like... the medication that he was pushing? He was lying about that? I mean, what is wrong well, with was, you? He was defrauding the state's welfare program. Yeah, I understand, a... like, there, there's a lot of, like, match-fixing issues. Actually, we don't want to get too far off on it. But yeah, no, there's some heavy-duty hand in the cookie jar criminality and the PPP loans. Anytime your municipality takes over $10,000 of funds from the federal government, guess yeah. who gets jurisdiction and venue for mm. the criminal proceedings. So you might have oh, I see. Sheriff Jim Bob's fixing things for you and you know, the local judge, but if your town took 10 grand mm. or your County took 10 grand, Merry Christmas, Merrick Garland is the ah, guy prosecuting oh, I see you. This, I see. That's a very different, different stage completely. I should mention that Governor DeSantis has won re-election as Florida governor. That's not a surprise but by any stretch of the imagination. It's not something that Donald Trump is necessarily celebrating. I even wonder whether he voted for Governor DeSantis because today, just because he is Donald Trump, he had to say this. And you know, sometimes I resist the urge to, to applaud his him. intention to run for president, right? He didn't do just that. He also said, if he did run, I will tell you things about him that won't be very flattering. I know more about him than anybody other than perhaps his wife, who is really running his campaign. Nothing huh. like a little bit of blackmail or whatever that is from former president of your own party. I mean, it's, oh, what a disaster. Someone's yeah, feeling a little I mean, threatened. Especially since that guy, you're talking about some smack talk from a dude that had access to the presidential daily brief every day yeah. for four years. Yeah. Who yeah, can a lot answer? Of... Yeah. So not only DeSantis wins I mean, re-election here, and he's, but he's also the next big thing in the Republican Party, likely the next presidential candidate. So Trump is out there doing his thing. Now, of course, there's a lot of baggage around Mr. DeSantis. He's not just hinting at stuff. There is stuff in DeSantis's family background, which, you know, is serious and is going to come out at some point, obviously, because as he gets closer to the presidency, stuff's going to emerge. So even though he has a big night tonight winning already, Donald Trump is out there saying, if the Dems don't do it, I'm going to do it. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting. I wonder how he knows all this information as well, because I'm sure it's not just from being privy to the presidential daily brief. I'm sure it's from his own history. So, well, also, be, well, there's that. He's been doing business in Florida, and he's a guy who knows a lot of spies and stuff. And mobsters. <laughs> you know, he, he, he likes mobs. Uh, yeah. yeah, he likes the mob. In two ways. He likes the mobs that when they attack the capital, but he also likes the other kind of mob, the actual money mob. So it's interesting that already this is turning out to be another shit show, if you pardon that, uh, in the Republican Party. And uh, God bless them. May they take each other out. Although I should caution people that there's going to be a tendency to want to support DeSantis because he's not Trump. But he's worse than Trump. If anyone's out there thinking, well, at least he's not Trump, that is not the case at all. Trump without the class. Yeah. And the refine. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. So as we keep watching these results, it's 40 to 37 in the Senate and 18 to 31 Republicans now in the House. I'm not sure which races those are, but you know, judge orders Harris County polling stations to stay open an extra hour. 
That's what that's about. Governor Sununu wins a fourth term in New Hampshire. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Ex-Press Secretary Sanders right? wins the Arkansas governor's race. She did find an alternative career. So that's interesting. She's won the governor race in Arkansas. Um, we have a governorship that's been called. Yeah. Where's that? The state of Vermont has reelected Phil Scott 72 to 21. Wow. Democratic rival, Brenda Siegel. They have 16% of the votes in with the remaining 242,000, apparently. We must be taking the samples and... They must have their math down. By the way, we're talking about Vermont, not because it's the most important, but because it's the earliest. (laughs) Um, But it's very interesting. Governor Rick Scott is a Republican. And this is a super reliably blue state. We got Bernie Sanders progressives and that kind of a thing. But Governor Scott in Vermont was one of the first, if not the first Republican governor, I believe, who came out and cast down Donald Trump after January 6th. So... There you go. When I said we we tend to stick with people that are doing a good thing, he also made the first change to Vermont gun laws in the history since the establishment of the National Firearms Act. He got rid of bump stocks. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Every minute of narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative where truth lives. One day, you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative. Where truth lives.